You are listening to audio from Harvest Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. We are so glad you are joining us today. If you would like to know more about Harvest Church, connect with us online at myharvestchurch.com. And now for today's sermon. Hey, you're here. That's great. You guys braved the weather, and for those of you who maybe came here a little bit early, you saw the foot and a half snow drifts that different cars were stuck in on the road, and, and that was just great, wasn't it? I, I told the worship team, I'm like, most of the day, like most of the Sundays when you come to church, you just kind of get to church. Today, you had to earn it, and that is just awesome. So, hey, uh, good to see that most of everybody's four-wheel drive is working as well. That's great. Um, I want to throw out just two quick things. Um, uh, we have an awesome event coming up, a, a mom and son date night uh, that our kids ministry is hosting. And I want to challenge you, uh, moms, uh, mothers of sons, to, to go ahead and sign up for that event. It is a powerful event. A part of the reason why we do mommy, son date night, as well as daddy, daughter date night, just to cast some vision. You know, for some, you may look at that and go, okay, they throw a nice little dinner for, you know, parents and their kids. A part of the reason why we do that is because we recognize that our world tends to attack the family unit. And as a body of Christ, we want to build the family of unit. Amen? The family unit. And so with that, we try and provide opportunities where I, I love it because the mommy-son date night, um, we try and, and teach young boys how to become men. And so part of that, for example, last year what they did is they had the moms come up here, the sons, or excuse me, the moms were downstairs, the sons were up here, and different men from the church went to the sons, handed them a rose, and taught them how to escort their moms. And so then the sons went downstairs and got their moms, handed them the rose, and escorted them to their tables. Boy, man, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, I'm telling you. And then for our girls, it's such a beautiful thing because the girls, they, they dress up like princesses and dads get to show their daughters how their daughters should be treated with honor and respect. And so I want to challenge you, sign your kids up for these events. They're powerful, and I believe that they are just going to, to learn so many fundamental biblical principles that are ingrained in their lives at these events. At these events, if it doesn't work today, man, we can we can scrap it. That's fine. Uh, I also want to throw out there our wild game dinner. So all of you should have received some of these invites on your seats whenever you came in. I want to challenge you. If you already have some of these invites, you're like, what do I need to take these for? Give them away. I want to challenge you. Give them away to your coworkers, family members. We, it is our goal to pack out our wild game dinner. Our wild game dinner, some have asked in years uh, previously, is it a wild game dinner just for our men's ministry? The answer is no. And it's for sports men and sports women who are just interested in the outdoors. And I just want to challenge you again. Help us pack out the place, especially with people who don't know Jesus. Incredible testimonies were coming out of last year's wild game dinner. That's why we do what we do. Amen, church? To see the lost come to be found. Amen? Amen. So I want to challenge you, make sure that you hand these invite cards out, that you're being intentional with that. And uh, also just want to say uh, on behalf of uh, our men's ministry, who's putting it together, again, the event isn't just for men, but our uh, men's ministry is putting the event together. They wanted me to just throw a special uh, shout out this past week. We just seemed to uh, have experienced an overwhelming response as far as signups to help the event happen. Church, our ministries, the events that we do, do not happen without our volunteers. Would you give it up for our outstanding volunteer search? Come on. 
So we just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, Hey, as we continue our series today titled Sanctity of Life, I do want to throw out uh, uh, to our parents, whether you're in the sanctuary or on live stream, that um, this sermon series is not appropriate for kids. We have an outstanding kids ministry downstairs at this time. I would challenge you to get your kids down in that outstanding environment where they have lessons that are catered to them. Uh, Today's topic is on human trafficking, and so I want to repeat this again. This is not appropriate for young ears to hear. And if you're joining us on live stream, you can send your kids in the other room, and that is a gift that we give to you free of charge. Again, we're continuing this series titled Sanctity of Life, and what a privilege it's been these past couple weeks, right, church? As we've had some outstanding guest speakers come in, we've had the Amy Thurston with Hope Inspire Love Organization. This is an organization that seeks to raise awareness and equip people to end human trafficking. Last week, uh, we had nationally recognized and renowned speaker Tony McFadden come and share her testimony of how God has redeemed her her life out of regret and remorse as, uh, as she navigated and walked through having an abortion and how God has, has again redeemed her from that moment and just her, her gift of speaking brings about a, a, re, a realness to her testimony as well as, as she said, leaving us with just kind of hope in our hearts. And I don't know about you, but I experienced that last week and I'm just so thankful for Tony and the testimony that she, uh, that she carries Today we're circling back to the topic of human trafficking because when we originally had scheduled to address it, we had a snow day that day, we were down to one service, and this is a topic that I believe is vital for the church body when we're all together as as a whole. And when it comes to the topic of human trafficking, something that I want to state right out of the gate because I believe that this principle establishes the rest of the conversation and teaching that we're having this morning is this, human trafficking is modern day slavery. It is modern day slavery. It's holding someone captive and profiting off of them. If you're looking for a definition of human trafficking, we can go ahead and show the definition up here on the screen. Human trafficking is the trade of humans for the purpose of forced labor, sexual slavery, or commercial sexual exploitation. You could reword this and just say pornography. Commercial sexual exploitation. And what's really odd in our culture is when it comes to human trafficking, there is such a strong resistance to even talk about it or address it. For example, there is an entire war fought over slavery in our nation. And yet when it comes to modern day slavery that exists today, nobody even talks about it, let alone starts a war over it. Our entertainment industry, when it comes to the topic of human trafficking, is absolutely silent or at least wants to steer the conversation in a different direction. And before you start saying to me, oh, pastor, you're one of them conspiracy theorists, aren't you? No, kind of, but no. (laughs) The reality is, is that there are things happening in our culture that our culture is trying to hide. And I believe that this is painfully obvious that this topic is one of them. It's not a theory when it's a reality. And there's a, a article, there's, a, there's an article from Newsweek that came out not too long ago about the, the movie Sound of Freedom. And Newsweek did this article, if we can show that picture please, did this article attempting 
to disprove the allegations that the movie Sound of Freedom uh, had its rights purchased by Disney and that Sound of Freedom was then put on hold for uh, three to four years. Uh, Newsweek investigated this to try and disprove because there was such an outcry when Sound of Freedom came out, which by the way, Sound of Freedom is about child trafficking and a powerful, powerful story here. And uh, Newsweek had heard that there was kind of an uprising where different Christians specifically were saying, you know, it's, it's such a shame that this movie was made years ago and it was the rights were purchased and it was put on hold. And so Newsweek dives into this to try and disprove and actually ends up coming out on the other side with the exact opposite conclusion that in their article stated this, that Sound of Freedom was filmed in 2018, purchased by Disney and shelved for years. The producer of Sound of Freedom spent more than a year negotiating with Disney and managed to buy back the rights of the film. The producer then shot the film, or this is their article that I'm reading from, by the way. The director then shopped the film around and to other distributors and major streamers, but nobody in Hollywood seemed interested in making the film. Our entertainment industry tries to steer away from this topic. Our mainstream news outlets are silent. There's this news article that I came across about 123 people arrested. If we could go ahead and show that, please. About 123 people arrested in an operation against human trafficking. And there's 123 leaders of various human trafficking rings. And, and 123 people, one of these uh, arrested uh, over in Florida, happened to be a teacher, by the way. And yet this news article barely makes the local news let alone national headlines. Our culture's just so quiet about this. And then when it comes to human trafficking and it being on the politicians' radar, I don't have a news article about politicians speaking on this, and that's the point. They're not talking about it. The church needs to talk about this. If the world is neglecting to address something, then church, more often than not, that is the very thing that we should be discussing. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. The church needs to speak about the realities of human trafficking for those who cannot speak for themselves. The church needs to address staggering statistics like this. 152 point, or excuse me, 150.2 billion dollars is generated in human trafficking per year. To put that in perspective, that is more than the NFL, NHL and MLB combined. Human trafficking is the second largest, fastest growing criminal industry worldwide. Human trafficking, the number one consumer of human trafficking is the United States of America. 200,000 children will be trafficked in the U.S. this year. More than half of those, by the way, are kids that were in the foster care system or runaways. You want to talk about ending slavery, 27 million people are in slavery today 
through human trafficking. This is more people enslaved today than any other time in history. Why aren't we talking about this? Although there are various forms and categories of human trafficking, many of those 27 million are being bought, sold, and traded specifically for sex. And I understand that reading off numbers often doesn't make a point, that often we hear numbers in church and we're shocked only for a moment in time, and then we return to our everyday lifestyles and completely forget the fact that 27 million, that means that there are 27 million people, as in each number represents a life, and that life represents a reality. One of those realities is a story that I heard from a pastoral friend of mine, a little girl named Malaya. Ten years old, she's from the village of, in, a, in a village in Nepal. Her family had a man come to their village and he noticed that this ten-year-old girl was beautiful and working hard. This man approached her mother and said how he noticed that she had three children and that she didn't have a husband that was around. He went on to say to this ten, the, the mother of this 10-year-old little girl that this girl could go with him to the city of Kuthmandu and work at his restaurant doing the same things that she does in her village except this time earning financial compensation. The mom thanked him for his offer but couldn't overcome the reality that her daughter would be leaving them. The next day, the man shows up and says, what if I bring your daughter back a few times a year? That way you can still see each other. And he said, for her to get started, I'll give you 10,000 rubies, which by the way is the equivalent to $100 US. But $100 in the US is actually in this village, it's half a year's wages. He goes on to explain that she will be with other girls her own age and that she will be provided food and housing. And the mom is blown away by this man's offer and she thinks to herself that her daughter will be given a better life to earn income for herself, help take care of the family and Malaya's younger brother and younger sister, and they will get to see each other a few times a year. She calls her daughter over to her and explains that this girl has an opportunity for a new life and a chance to help the family. Through tearful goodbyes, the mother and daughter part ways. After a long trip to the city, this man takes his 10-year-old Malaya to the restaurant that she's going to be working at. She's given more food than she's ever seen in her entire life. He takes her to a room where there's a corner caught with a stained sheet, more than she's ever had. The next day, the story takes a turn. Where this man goes on to force Malaya into a new kind of job. Ten-year-old Malaya comes to understand why the restaurant layout includes a design where the tables are located in cubicles with small beds in them. Many would ask the question, why doesn't she just run away without understanding that not only do traffickers make it a point to break the spirit of children, but Malaya is told that her earnings are going to her family, her baby sister, her brother and mom. Little does she know that as far as her family is concerned, Malaya went off to the big city and forgot all about them. 
Malaya is then threatened that if she doesn't work, not only will her family not receive support, but her little sister will take her place. Are you uncomfortable yet? Because this is one story out of 27 million. Some may say this only happens in foreign countries, pastor. No, friends, similar stories are represented in the U.S. The point is vulnerable people are promised something and taken advantage of. Amy Thurston shared with us just a few weeks ago about a woman who had a daughter, no place to live, rarely had food, taken into a home by a friend who eventually would take advantage of the mom with a threat that if she didn't abide by his demands that they would be thrown out into the streets. There are 27 million stories like this. The church needs to address the topic of human trafficking. Why does the church need to address such a topic? Well, friend, number one, because we are called to be a voice for those who cannot speak for themselves. It's non-negotiable. It's what our Christian mandate. It's what we're called to do. As Christ followers, why does the church need to address the topic of, of human trafficking? Because the nature of human trafficking is an expression of pure evil. There are some things in life that you will encounter that give you kind of a heavy feeling kind of doesn't set well with you. It's kind of like around the Halloween time whenever they show various uh, movies about demon possession and something in your spirit kind of is disturbed. You know what I'm talking about? Something is just kind of uneasy in your spirit where you're like, I don't think that, that light has anything to do with darkness. And there's some places that you may go in the world around us, like whenever you go into a, a rough inner city area that has just been ripped apart by drug addiction, and there's something in your spirit that's just a little unsettled, you know what I'm talking about? Like there's just kind of something in you that's like, ah, there's something dark going on here. When it comes to human trafficking, when you encounter someone with a story like this, there's something in your spirit that goes far beyond this is dark to where it feels like you have encountered Satan and hell itself. Human trafficking is from the pits of hell. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says, Reject every kind of evil. Reject every kind of evil. And human trafficking is most certainly a kind of evil. If we don't address these topics, how do we know what to reject? If we don't address these topics, how do we know who to protect or what's at stake? Today's sermon is more of a brief awareness because we need to be aware of evil so that we know what we are fighting against. Come on, somebody. Identify the enemy. Human trafficking is, is an expression of hell, and I say that because human trafficking at its core is a violation against God's sacred parameters and created order. 
Human trafficking, it lies, it manipulates, it deceives, it torments, it destroys life. It takes advantage of human life and it devalues one's humanity to begin with. One of the ways that we can reject evil is simply to be aware of its existence. One of the problems that we have today in our country is some of us, we don't acknowledge that there are some individuals in the world around us that have no intentions of ever coming to do good. Their only intention is to take, is to devalue, is to destroy that which God has deemed sacred. One of the ways that we fight evil and reject evil is to simply be aware that it exists. The church, and and let me go on. What does the church have to do with human trafficking? Well, the church has a responsibility to combat human trafficking. Not to just be aware, but to actually fight. We have to be aware, we have to talk about it, but we must, ex- it must acknowledge its existence so that we can reject it, but also we have a responsibility to follow up with action steps and stop human trafficking. Amen. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Can you read those last two lines with me? To proclaim freedom and release. It's what we're called to do. In the New Testament, he has anointed all of us to do this same work of going and setting the captives free. And I love that Isaiah, he, he uses this term here for anointing that often uh, David uses. Anointing, you see, anointing carries this understanding in the Old Testament that shepherds, whenever they had to watch over their flocks, uh, sheep would, were often susceptible to various diseases, one of those being where flies would come up the nostrils of a sheep and cause infection either in its snout or even in its brain, disturbing it so much so that sheep would bang their head off of rocks to try and get this to stop, and in some cases would even drive themselves to kill themselves just because of the torment. Isn't it interesting that Satan is referred to as the father of the flies, by the way? And so shepherds, in order to protect their sheep from this infection that the flies would bring about, they would mix different oils together. Uh, uh, Shout out to all of those who are into essential oils, by the way. And the shepherds would take these oils, blend them together, and they would smear it all over the snout and the head of a sheep, and it would protect it. That anointing would protect it. And in the same way, God has given you that kind of anointing against the enemy, where he has covered you in his anointing so that any schemes from the enemy will, will fail. He's given you anointing protection as in he's given your life favor, meaning there are some, have you ever had opportunity, the door of opportunity just open up and you like hardly had to do anything. It just kind of was like the door opened up and all you had to do was walk through it. That's called favor that comes with the anointing. 
And there are so many different areas in our life on a day-to-day basis where things don't happen to us because there's a protection over your life that you don't even realize. Isaiah says, I carry this kind of anointing for what? Do you understand that God, and this is a good time to put this in your notes, by the way, God always anoints for a purpose. God always anoints for a purpose. And Isaiah, in this moment, he's saying, the purpose that I have been anointed for is to proclaim freedom for the captive and release from the darkness for the prisoners. And that is the same calling in the New Testament that is placed on our lives. We just see it worded differently in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, where Jesus gives us the great commission. Church, he's given you an anointing to fight human trafficking. We're given this anointing to do the same things that Isaiah discusses, proclaim freedom for the captives, release from the darkness the prisoners. So what does this look like in a more practical manner? How does this look lived out? How do we combat human trafficking? First and foremost, recognizing the worth and the value of every individual. Recognizing the worth and the value of every individual. In Genesis chapter 1, we see that God made us in his image, separating man from all of of all other creation, that he's given man authority, that he's given man uh, dominion, that he's given us responsibility, that he's called us to a higher work ethic, to steward what he's given us. God creates man so separate from anything else in this world. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16 says it like this, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderful wonderfully made. Your works, they're wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David doesn't say that about trees. (laughs) doesn't say that about animals, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's said about us. Human life is sacred. Parents, teach your children this. Recognize and teach others, church, your co-workers. Teach them to value humanity, and here is such a key component to the understanding that we must recognize the worth and value of every individual. Teach others to value humanity through the lens of God's eyes. To value humanity without including God in the thought process is simply illogical. You cannot explain morality adequately without explaining a moral law giver. It just doesn't make sense. Nietzsche actually said something smart one time when he said, if God does not exist, then everything is permissible. 
And he was right. When man disregards God's existence, there is nothing off limits. Hell is given a wide open door to be released into our world. You want to know what's happening in our country and in our world and why such egregious sin like this is on the uprise? Well, friend, it's simply when we stop acknowledging the existence of God, you can guarantee that hell will be coming. Without including God in the conversation, if you try and explain morality and valuing human life without including God in the conversation, it's illogical. Teach others how to value human life by viewing human life through the lens of God's eyes. How do we combat human trafficking as a worship team makes their way to the platform? Raising awareness within the church body. It's what we're doing here today. Raising awareness within the church body. How do we combat human trafficking? By advocating for justice and freedom. By advocating for justice and freedom. Psalm 82 verse 4 says, Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Advocate for justice and freedom. Where, pastor? Where do we advocate for justice and freedom? In your life and in your home, start there. Where do we advocate for justice and freedom? In your workplace. You've heard the comments. Maybe various managers, bosses, maybe others who are around you taking advantage of others who are weak. Advocate for justice and freedom. Where, pastor? At the school board meetings. Because hell is trying to infiltrate our school system, and in many ways it already has. How do we advocate for justice and freedom? Go to the school board meetings. Where do we advocate for justice and freedom? Contact your local and state representatives. Advocate for justice and freedom. When it comes time to vote, did you know it's an election year? Vote biblically. Advocate for justice and freedom. How do we combat human trafficking? Tell your local and state representatives that this topic matters. That they need to talk about it. How do we combat human trafficking? By offering our support and assistance to survivors. Hope Inspire Love, the organization that was with us a couple weeks ago, and they're going to be back teaching a parenting course because did you know that what is fueling human trafficking in the U.S., like what is fueling this whole industry? Pornography. Hope Inspire Love is going to be coming and teaching a course to parents on how to prevent your kids from stumbling into this addiction, which is statistically affecting nine out of every 10 men. And statistics are almost matched when it comes to women now. Your kids and their cell phones and their iPads, it's a gateway to hell. 
Can we use it responsibly? Yeah, sure. But are you monitoring that? I'm going to be preaching on this in the future, but it just baffles me how the roles of children and parents have been switched to where children no longer answer to their parents. Parents are now answering to their children. Family and I came across this movie titled Yesterday. It's a cute movie. The premise is cute. But there's this one scene in the movie. There's a few, but there's one that I'll focus on specifically where I looked at my wife and I just said, this is a prime example of the roles being switched where there's this daughter who leaves her cell phone next to her mom and she walks away from the scene and her mom comes to find out that she'd been texting boys that she was not supposed to and had plans to meet up with boys that she's never met. And the daughter comes back and the mom is holding her phone and she, the, the daughter looks and says, you read my text messages? And just like that, all of a sudden, the mom starts answering to the daughter and defending herself, trying to explain herself to a 14-year-old. And I'm sitting there going nuts because I'm, I, I can't help but like think this. Who's paying the bill on that cell phone? And the mom starts explaining to the daughter. And the daughter starts saying how the mom had no right to go on her phone and do that. And parents, can I just clear something up today? Your child does not have a right to privacy until they're out of the house. It's insane that our 14-year-olds and younger are given cell phones, are given electronics to view and see things that they never should have. And parents are left cowering in the corner going, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't want to invade your privacy. Right, this is insane. You're the parent. You're the gatekeeper in your household. Gatekeepers are called to be on watch and when the enemy comes to the gate, they are called to raise the alarms, to raise the banner, to fight. It's your calling, mom and dad. How do we combat human trafficking? Recognize the worth of every individual. How do we combat human trafficking? Offer support and assistance to survivors. Back to the point, hope, love, inspire is going to be coming and teaching that course to parents. But a part of their ministry is they have local churches that they teach the skills to the church body on how to help survivors recover. And when they rescue girls out of that local area, I love this, they send them to the church so that the church can come alongside of those survivors and help them. How do we offer support and assistance to the survivors? By partnering with Christ-centered organizations fighting against human trafficking. Church, not all organizations are created equal. And I love the way that Amy, the CEO of Hope Inspire Love said it. She said, non-Christian organizations that are combating human trafficking, I don't understand because I have no idea what they're offering. It doesn't make sense. 
we say Christ-centered organizations because the only way to true freedom is through Christ. It's the only way. And lastly, how do we combat human trafficking? I want us to understand this final point. We share the gospel because the gospel has the power to end human trafficking. I want to say that again. The gospel has the power to end human trafficking, both for those who are causing it and those who have experienced it. During the human trafficking workshop a few weeks ago, we heard a story from one of the people of the organization who took a trip to this foreign country to help rescue girls out of this. And while she was standing on a street corner, she witnessed one of the human traffickers coming and engaging in a conversation with one of the women that she was trying to rescue out of this. And she's standing there knowing that she couldn't do anything to him. She's standing there knowing that all she has to offer is to try and rescue that girl out of the lifestyle. Get them out of captivity. But as for the trafficker himself, she's standing there knowing I, I can't do anything. Because all the police in the area were paid off. She's standing there watching this and she's just like, God, like how? Like how can this be happening right there? right then and there. And she said, I felt like the Lord spoke to me in that moment and said, because I died for him too. And in that moment, she came to realize that she's on a mission to rescue all of those who are in human trafficking, even the ones who are doing it. And as Christians, that's really hard for us. But can I tell you something? The gospel has the power to change human trafficking. The gospel has the power to change those who are involved with human trafficking who need to see the severe nature of their sin and God's coming judgment upon their life. The gospel can provide that. The gospel can provide the blood that was shed so that no one should perish. The gospel is the only thing that can provide a renewed mind so that those who are the ones who are doing it can receive a renewed mind so that they might not take advantage of these girls but advocate for them. Only the gospel offers this kind of transformation. My greatest concern in the church of America today is the reason why we don't share the gospel is because we don't believe in its power anymore. And there's too many testimonies represented here today that speak otherwise. When it comes to big topics like this, we often feel overwhelmed to the point that 
we feel like our voices are raindrops in the ocean. Which tells me that sometimes Satan doesn't have to destroy you to steer you in the wrong direction. He just needs to borrow your voice. Or he just needs to quiet it. Satan often tries to take away our voice by making it seem like your voice is insignificant. Your voice matters. Would you stand with me here this morning, church? Your voice matters. It matters because God created you and he gave you that voice to use, not sit in silence or complacency. Your voice matters. Are you ready for this, church? Let me bring it back around to this point. Your voice matters because you are anointed. You carry the anointing of God. Don't let the enemy rob you of using your voice because you feel like your voice is insignificant. God does not give us insignificant things. He's given you a voice. Use it. Well, to do what, Pastor? Everything that we just discussed. To raise awareness. To fight for freedom and justice. To view humanity through the lens of God and to teach your children to do the same. To protect your children from things like this. To share the gospel message of a Savior who redeems the most wicked hearts you could ever imagine and transforms them to the point to where the greatest persecutor of the New Testament church became the greatest evangelist of the New Testament church. God still does that church. Would you bow your heads for me? Would you do this? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to start this prayer out and then I'll close it. But would you pray over the topic of human trafficking? Would you pray that God would continue to give you favor as you raise awareness and have these conversations with others? Would you pray for the church to get uncomfortable to the point to where we're no longer comfortable being complacent? but that we have this conviction that we have to do something. Would you pray for the 27 million people in our world who are experiencing hell unleashed like we never could have imagined? Would you ask the question, God, how do you want to send me? What do you want my next step to be, Lord? Would you ask him those questions, church? Would you go ahead and just begin to pray out loud? We talk about this frequently that in scripture, the word prayer literally means audible. So would you do this with me just for a minute, 60 seconds? Would you pray out loud over these topics? Ready? One, two, three, go. Come on, church. Let's raise the volume level a little bit. That's it. Some of you, this is new for you, and that just means you're growing in boldness.
you pray over organizations like Hope Inspire Love, that they would have favor, that they would have funding. And maybe you're here today, and, and, and honestly, maybe the next step for you is God wants you to give a financial donation to bless these organizations. Come on, keep going, 30 seconds. Keep the volume level up there, church. Come on, come on, come on. Twenty-seven million people. Keep it going, church. You can't see it right now, but things are happening. In the unseen realm, things are happening. Chains are being broken. God is raising up a new generation leaders who are going to attack this. God's raised. Some of you, God is calling you to be a Moses. Keep going just a little bit longer. I'll close this out in prayer in just a moment. Pray with me that human traffickers, those who are causing it, would have their hearts absolutely shattered. That they would turn to Jesus. Would you join me in praying that human traffickers would have dreams of the cross, dreams of Jesus, dreams of the captives being set free, that they would almost come to a point of being haunted by the Holy Spirit. Keep going, just a few more seconds. Jesus, we ask that every human trafficker would come to know Jesus. That every person who has experienced this abuse would be restored to innocence. That they wouldn't view themselves as less than or dirty rags but that they would see themselves as pure, holy, and set apart. That their identity is not attached to what they've been through, but their identity is in freedom, which is in Christ. Jesus, I pray that the church would rise up for such a time as this. I pray for every individual here today who maybe has stayed out of the topic of human trafficking because they have been so deceived by the enemy that they genuinely believe that their voice doesn't matter. God, I pray that they would come to understand that they are like a lion when we stand with you. That their voice roars like a lion. 
when we speak in accordance and in obedience with the anointing that you've placed on our lives. Now, Lord, as we go from this place carrying this anointing, may it not be poured out upon our lives in vain. But, Lord, I pray that we would go into the dark places carrying the light of Christ to see the the captives set free. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, O Lord. Eyes to see the brokenness around us. Ears to hear those who are crying out in need. Lord, I pray that years from now when we look back on 2024, that years from now the fruit of what has happened in this place today would see, would be traced back to this morning We would say that's when God began to do something incredible that we never could have imagined. That that's the day when God began to restore the voice. That that's the day when God began to build boldness like we've never known as a church body. Lord, again, would you give us favor? We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, and if you believe God's faithful to see it done, would you give him one more shout of praise as we close out this morning, church? Amen. Amen. Let's go be a voice. Amen. 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 God bless you as you go with the Lord. He's going with you. This has been an audio recording from Harvest Church. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Church or get connected, please visit us online at myharvestchurch.com or email us at info at myharvestchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.